Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back, Modern Therapists. This is Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy, and we are headed to Hawaii this week, where we are going to be speaking at the Foundations of Connection Conference on preventing compassion fatigue and creating structural self-care. And partially just as a preparation thing, it was just really easy for us to create an episode around these ideas that... (laughs) We're pretty lazy. That's really what it comes down to. We are creating an optimal state of flow in the content that we are producing. Yes, Yes, we are. And making things a little (laughs) bit easier for ourselves. But this is also something that I think is really exciting and just want to share this with people and, you know, obviously you can't buy tickets to the conference and just like end up in Hawaii later this week to come and see us talk. If you can, awesome, you know, check it out with Ernesto. But (laughs) we have dabbled in talking about self-care before we are, you know, really kind of comprehensively bringing together a lot of ideas, business practices, working in agencies, if you're not yet a business owner, of how to actually start implementing some of this stuff in ways to really help keep you going as an individual and help make that a better opportunity to work with your clients and make your life more manageable. We've talked about this in a lot of different ways from a lot of different angles. And I think the the goal in this episode, and we'll certainly link to some of these other episodes in the show notes, but the goal in this episode is to really be able to create a cohesive narrative around how you actually do this thing. And I want to put the caveat that this is not necessarily like we don't know everything. We haven't mastered everything. This is really bringing things together because it's an ongoing work in progress. So this is not saying like, hey, we've got this nailed. And so just do this thing. And it's super easy. And you won't get any compassion fatigue. And you won't be vicariously traumatized. And you'll never be burnt out. Because I think that those things while not necessarily required in our field, not necessarily a a foregone conclusion, I think that they are very, very common, even in folks who have put together some good practices in setting up their their careers. So I just want to, I want to put that out there because I don't want us to come from a place of like, we're totally fine. Because like by the time, you know, we think about this episode again, we're going to be on the beach and quite <laughs> which so is actually we'll, we'll totally one, of, be one of the principles that we're going to be talking on a little bit later here but as, as far as some different influences here i think that the first one that i want to point out is a reference that i already made in this episode to flow psychology and this 
was really started by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi and one of the founding people of positive psychology. And if you're not familiar with this work, a lot of Csikszentmihalyi's writings really come around optimizing the energies, the attitudes, the structures of your day. So that way you're not running into these emotional barriers. You're being able to really develop a, a flow of being able to tackle the tasks of your day in a way that is mindful and present and all of the things that led to positive psychology. And so you're going to get some of that sprinkling throughout here today, as well as some of just kind of how this works into our business practices. And I think one of the, the books that I always mention, and so we'll, we'll talk about it a lot today, or at least we'll, we'll reference it and, and some of the ideas will be coming from there is the, the book When from Daniel Pink. It kind of, I think, pairs really nicely with this idea of flow. Question though, Kurt, because I uh, and I have I have one more book reference before. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. For our, our longtime listeners, you know that I've I've been involved in the running community before. Uh, another book that we're pulling some ideas from here is Peak Performance: Elevate Your Game, Avoid Burnout, and Thrive with the New Science of Success by Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus. So, now for your question. Okay, so the question is about flow, and I may bring up other books later, so so don't worry. All of these will be in the show notes at mtsgpodcast.com. But my thought process around flow, or the way I understood it back in the dark ages when I went to grad school, was it was this almost dissociative state of being able to do something for a very long period of time and kind of losing track of time and that kind of stuff. And that's not really how you're describing it. So, And in fact, I would almost describe it as the opposite, which not being dissociated, but being incredibly mindful. Mm-hmm. And in studying peak performers and having been involved in athletics and working with high achieving and gifted teens in my practice, all of the research that I come across says that those who perform the best are the ones who tolerate the mindlessness the best. That mm. when when we get a diminishing amount of return on our practice, you know, if I let's use golf as an example, I'm a <laughs> really bad golfer. Okay. But if I went out and I, you know, got a golf instructor that I would expect that I would see some pretty significant returns on my investment to improving in golf very, very quickly. I might go from being a, you know, 10%, you know, bottom 10% golfer. After a few lessons, I might jump up to, you know, a 25th percentile golfer just because I have that much room to grow. Yeah. But when we're talking about, you know, people at the 90th percentile for them to get to the 91st percentile involves a lot more work to just get that 1%. And so the people who tolerate the extra work psychologically the best are the ones who are able to see that return. And this is where flow comes in. This is where being mindful of the payoff of the work that we're doing, understanding the concept of it and embracing it is a incredibly mindful aspect. It's not a dissociative aspect. Now, one of the keys in being able to tolerate that might be dissociating. But it's done with intention. Yeah, no, I think what I was trying to, to 
to mention, maybe not dissociation, although sometimes for me when I get really into something, that's kind of all of a sudden, it's more the, the losing of time, that, that time ceases to exist when you're doing the thing that you're good at, you enjoy, that just seems to, it kind of, I think the ways that, that I've seen it, you know, especially with artists and, and kind of creative folks that I've worked with and, and, you know, in my, my past, it's just like this, this piece of, of things kind of just flow through you. And it's, and I think in, in kind of olden times and maybe even now for folks who are more spiritual, that it feels like it comes from this otherworldly place. And so it just feels so right. So that's why I wanted to clarify, because it feels like there's, there may be colloquial and other versions of flow. So how are we defining flow? So I, I like where you're going with this. And I think that, you know, part of this is we, we work in a profession where we can't afford to just have time go by with endlessly because we are tied to the clock. We're tied to that 50 yes. minute hour. Yeah. But really the essence that we're talking to is this is the difference between those sessions where it felt like you just sat down and then all of a sudden it's over versus a session that I had somewhat recently where I looked to check on the clock to see how much time was left. And there was 48 minutes left in the session. <laughs> so, Oh, I've been in those sessions, dude. I've been in those sessions. <laughs> so for us, flow is the, the working idea that we're working with here is that it's the absence of mental load of it's moving towards reducing the amount of mental load that we're putting into things reducing decision fatigue in our lives. So that way we are better able to accomplish the tasks that we are either obligated to do or that we want to do as part of our practices and part of our profession. I think I want to add to that also doing things that really feel aligned and attuned for yourself, things that you're good at, that you feel a sense of competence for as well. Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think that okay. those are going to go hand in hand because you know, I'm I'm a parent. Part of decision making fatigue is, you know, all right, what are we going to do to get the kids out the door in the morning? And what are we going to do when the kids don't want to do the things that I've already decided on that mm -hmm. just start, you know, chipping away at your your mental energy that go into the day. So by the time that you end up in the office, you you might be somewhat depleted. I know you're a big fan of the the spoon theory. Like, you know, yeah. you you want to show up to work with as many spoons as you have to be able to <laughs> go with your clients, but in so many ways it's being able to prepare yourself and create a, a avenue in your life to reduce the amount of times that you have to stop and make a decision. You know, this is putting out your workout clothes the night before so that way you don't have to do those tasks in the morning, that it's a preparation to be able to just kind of flow through the day. This, if you haven't picked up already, really is in that whole person therapist that Katie and I talk about so often of this extends into your personal life very, very deeply, and it extends into your professional life very, very deeply as well. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end -end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? 
Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. One of the ways, I mean, I, I want to switch from flow because I think that there is some kind of practical stuff that I might be able to offer here. Because I think when you're talking about decreasing decision fatigue or the number of decisions that you make and really making sure that your your day, you know, kind of systemically or systematically moves through that you're not that you're not constantly getting stopped and, you know, kind of clunky going through the day. I think part of it is really identifying how to set up your day in a way that makes sense. And so there's, there's two pieces. And this is where I really like the book when, because it talks about the, the study around when to do things. And so, you know, when are you most creative? When are you most effective? How do you to counterbalance those things? And, I don't, I don't want to go into all those little tiny pieces, but I think the biggest the biggest thing that I think can be very helpful is being able to study the energy that you have or the 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 motivation you have because some of us are night owls, some of us are early birds, some of us have energy at different times of the day. And so it actually requires some self-assessment in order to be able to identify how you create your your kind of flowing workday. And so putting creative activities when you're most creative or putting more kind of rhythmic, not needing a whole lot of energy activities when you have less energy, it helps things to flow more easily because you've actually designed it based on your natural workflow versus or your natural energy flow versus doing other things. And so in a systems view, when we've got a Monday morning meeting and we all have to kind of jump into the work week <laughs> and face people, even if we're introverted, <laughs> you know, when we have, you know, massive amounts of, of notes to do and everybody's telling us to do it first thing in the morning or last thing in the evening or that kind of stuff without really reference to what our mental acuity is or what our energy is at that time, I think putting systems in place is important for organizations, for workplaces, but I think having the flexibility to, to kind of manage individual differences can become very important because we are different. There's, there's similarities, but we are different in when we're best doing different activities. And so I think being able to have some flexibility and self-assessment to design your schedule a bit to match your energy levels is really important. Not only is it really important, but this is embracing this idea and actually implementing it. And it's being able to take those individual differences that we may have and being able to put that into, you know, you're, you said that we're trying to move away from this idea of flow, but this is all flow. This is, <laughs> this is taking those individual differences and being able to really embrace that. You know, most corporate management recommendations now are don't start Monday mornings with staff meetings, that we have this behavioral inertia coming off of the weekend where we're just, you know, not working, we're not on, we're not focused on what we're doing, that is important for us to have because 
where our optimal growth comes and where we are best able to reach our, our performance, no matter what field that we're in, comes from being able to balance both stress and rest. And if we're in a constant stress state, then we're not able to really ever grow. Think of, you know, a child who's malnourished or who's, you know, constantly, you know, over overexerting themselves, not sleeping enough, that that child is not going to grow compared to a child who is resting. Think of yourself as far as when your creativity comes. It's the mm -hmm. last days of your vacation. It's the Sunday night before the weekend or the Sunday night before the work week starts when you have these ideas that you can implement. But if you're constantly in that work state, then you don't have that breathing time to actually sit down and be creative. Mm -hmm. And you know, the, this is where so much of what is talked about in terms of burnout is in this reactionary method. And I don't think that those of us who have really talked about preventing burnout have really done a good enough job of is talking about how this rest period allows us to go into work better. That mm -hmm. it seems as kind of this precautionary, like, don't let this happen, but it's, it's, you know, avoiding a negative as opposed to resting for a positive. And I've really seen this, you know, a, a tremendous amount with athletes it's in marathon training, you know, rest is as important as, as stress, but it's the balance of the two of them that allows us to elevate what we're able to tolerate. That so you don't just start out running a hundred miles a week at, you know, your, your sprinting pace that you've got to be able to go into that with the intention of, okay, these things are going to be done slowly because that allows us to get to this concept of being able to perform at a higher level. I think what I've seen the most around this is that people will see the the rest as blank spots or as emptiness and and then it can get filled right and so when you were talking about kind of I, I see this kind of this interval training you know whether it's kind of intervals within the the run or you know mm -hmm. I don't run on a certain day because I'm I'm actively resting or I'm actively regenerating and I think physically we can see it a lot better than we can mentally or emotionally. And so I think being able to consciously do it is really important. But when I was thinking about it, because I just was talking with one of my clients about um, drawing on the right side of, or drawing on the right side of the brain or the left side of the brain. I don't remember. The, I'll find the right name for the book <laughs> and put it in the show notes. But we learn how to draw what's there. And so we'll draw a face and we'll have eyes and a nose and a mouth. But when you actually, you know, draw really well, it's looking at the negative spaces. It's looking at what's not there. And it's actually, you draw the negative spaces. In order, and that's how you truly become a, more of a, an artist versus someone that's doodling, is learning to see both what's there and what's not there. And I think for me, that's, that's a big difference, is that when you actively block out rest and you use it, whether it's a break in the middle of the day, if it's a full day without anything on your schedule, like if it's the end of the day when you go home and you don't have anything on the books, although probably you do, it's it's actually putting that there instead of just saying, well, I'll rest at some point. You know, putting putting in those blank spaces as actual real things versus hoping that you'll get to the rest at some point. 
Uh, it's not only intentional, but it's active rest, not passive rest. It's not just like, okay, I've got half an hour between clients. I'm just going to collapse on my couch and stare at the ceiling. It's being able to step outside your office and go for a quick walk outside. I know that the differences between my next sessions after each of those kinds of rests vary completely based on the choice that I make. Well, and I think there's, I, I, I do want to say that, that naps have been, been something, and I know you, you're, you're also a fan of naps, but I think naps Love can also naps. be an active, <laughs> that can be an active rest. I think that's something, uh, it, Daniel Pink calls it a nappuccino. He ta- he drinks a little bit of <laughs> coffee and then takes a 20 minute nap. And it's like, he starts over with the, the morning energy. So I think we don't want to say don't clap, uh, collapse on your couch. And I, I really wish that workplaces would, you know, embrace this idea of napping, but both of those things. The, the inactive rest is collapsing on your couch with your phone and scrolling through Facebook. Right. And, you know, also for those of you overachievers out there, that it's not a replacement for the other sleep that you get in addition to that nap. Yes, yes. yes. Because our growth does come when we're sleeping. And I think mm-hmm. that this is such a huge aspect that, you know, we try to maximize so much in our lives. But when all of our maximization comes around our work, that's that's a recipe for burnout. Yes. But it's also, you know, you got to be able to rest in your best way that comes in addition to work. You know, you can't go out and party every single night and show up and see your clients every single day in the morning too. But, you know, you might still have that extroverted itch that you need to scratch that can be part of what you're doing. It's being intentional with it. So that way you can understand what you're best able to do and best be able to implement to show up to your clients, show up to your business and be able to tackle on the stressors that are going to be coming along with that. I think to me, the the biggest thing that I want to, to comment about that, and then I'd love to talk to kind of more specifically on kind of systemic scheduling, but with the the notion of productivity or for entrepreneurs hustle or even people that have, you know, they're working in an agency and they've got a private practice on the side, like the difficulty with this concept that we're talking about is that there are so many societal factors and systemic factors that say you have to keep moving. And so I think this is something where, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people, taking that rest you know, kind of managing your schedule so it's more paced out so that you have some some open spaces, some buffers and that kind of stuff actually makes you more productive. You're more likely to get better productivity, get your notes done. You're more likely to be able to close those full fee clients if you consciously put these things in place. Because when we're exhausted, when we're at decision fatigue, when we're not doing the things that we need to do, we start making decisions that are really ineffective. So we could either start running in the wrong direction and... (laughs) And, and, you know, kind of have big impacts of like, we've, we've lost our way, but it can even be the kind of the inefficiency, which I always see it when I'm running late. It's like, I have to get out of the house and I know I have to pick up my lunch. I have to pick up some water. I have to get my jacket. I got to get my bag. And it's something where when I'm just walking out of the house, it's like, pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. When I'm running late, it's like, oh, I got to get this. Oh, I got to go to here. Oh, let's go. And it takes me probably three times as long to get out of the house when I'm running late as when I'm actually consciously with all of the space able to 
to walk out of the house with everything that I need. So I think it's, it's counterintuitive because there's such a hustle mindset, but I think we need to really be conscious about it. And, you know, an example of this and the way that it comes up in our sessions is, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. There's days where I end up, you know, getting to my office, like, you know, a couple of minutes after the session's supposed to start parking, traffic, whatever it might be. Whether it's me in that situation or whether it's a client in that situation who's running a few minutes late, I still very intentionally take the next few minutes and not just usher the client into my office and be like, okay, we're running late. We got to pick up on this. And I, I talk with my clients about why I do this, but it's for these very specific principles that we're talking about here is that if we're starting in this rush state, it's not productive that we, mm -hmm. we go into the sessions intentionally with the same energy and the same and same level of focus. So that way we are best able to use that time because in those rush sessions where somebody's just like storming in and, you know, taking off their jacket while, you know, they're talking about, you know, what it is, why they're late. Has that ever been a productive first five minutes of a session? No, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> and so if the five minutes is going to be wasted anyway, using that to be mindful of what it is that we're going to accomplish seems counterintuitive, but it is way more productive because mm -hmm. it does set that intentionality. Yeah. Now, I'm doing a lot better with these kinds of things and transitioning to, you know, some of these time implementation things that can happen. These all need to be adjusted for what you as the individual are. And, you know, here's a, a quick shout out to our listeners who have stopped listening to us on their car rides in to go see their clients because... <laughs> <laughs> they just need that space to decompress before they go in their day. Congratulations. You are doing exactly what we're talking about. You're taking that emotional space for yourself. Yeah. Uh, hope that, you know, we'll tag as many of you as we can. To so that you'll listen to, to us eventually. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, this is also, once you get to your office of being able to prime yourself for the clients that you have during that day, so that way you're best able to keep your emotional energy in in the realm of you know reducing all of this decision fatigue staying in a, a positive mood state and this is the time to really do the things of like deliberate practice of reviewing what you're doing so that way you're able to pick up on oh here's practice that i need to be doing now i have an opportunity to go and do it this is not superfluous, like, hey, on the weekend sort of thing, I'm going to, you know, go do all my deliberate practice work. But this is really being able to do it before you start seeing your clients during the day, you know, spend your 10 minutes reviewing a video session, go through your notes, be ready for your client as they come in. Don't just be like, so what were we talking about that, <laughs> you know, where, where, where do we want to pick up on, you know, here's a smattering of things that I kind of remember from last session, but putting yourself in that primed state to be ready for where your clients are coming back in. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. 
I like the idea of ritual and that's how I see it as I don't necessarily see myself as priming, but as, as ritual, I like, I like that because to me, I'm a systems person. I like to have some routine and ritual. And so for me, the way I walk up my stairs to my office, the, the things I do when I get into my office, the, the mindfulness that I approach with turning the lights on and, and those types of things, as well as reviewing the notes and taking the time to review my notes prior to entering the session, the deep breath and the grounding and, and the ritual throughout the session. And then, and then also the decompression and the space to, to kind of close out that session and prepare for the next one if I need it. I think those things are very important to do. And oftentimes when we're overwhelmed, we don't do them. I think the other thing that can happen, and I, I want to add this into this idea of ritual, is that we can be so overwhelmed and disorganized that we don't feel like we have the space to do it. And so I'm a big fan of making, you know, repeatable processes, having your clients have as much as possible set set meeting time so that you're not constantly futzing with your schedule, you know, really creating some of these things that can can take that those decisions away. So you don't have to decide what you're going to send to your client the first, you know, for the first session, you don't have to decide how you're going to to do your note, there's, you know, you've got a template that's really easy to do, and you can just finish it very quickly. But making sure that you've got all of those things already thought about and and made as efficient as possible. So they don't get in the way of the actual work, which is the connecting with your client and the clinical work that the two of you do together. Because I think so often, because we're not trained in business, because most of us would rather be working with clients and writing notes or, or you know, billing clients or whatever, that we don't pay attention to those external things. And so we're writing the same email over and over again. And we're, you know, deciding each week what the client's next session is going to be. And, you know, and, and I'm feeling it right now because I've got my schedule a little wonky and I've got, you know, like two or three clients who are new that were, that, that are also like shifting jobs and doing things. And so I'm like having to schedule with them each week. And it just feel, I can feel that additional mental load that comes with not having that set and not being able to just say, I'll see you next week. You know, <laughs> that, that, that is really great when you've created these systems and rituals throughout the, the, the next piece, and I think you were going to potentially talk about this, so I'll, I'll let you talk about it, but it's just kind of making sure that you have that decompression time and the, the closing out ritual. Yes. Before we get to that, though, I also want to talk about the people that you surround yourself with are also going mm. to either elevate you or, or drag you down. And, you know, I heard of, you know, the five people that surround you are the ones who are going to have the biggest impact on your life. So if you're surrounded by other people who are working towards these same sort of flow objectives, that it's going to be a lot easier for you to implement. And this is, you know, the accountability buddies are the ones who mm. are really helping you do that. So, you know, we're happy that you're a part of our community and maybe we're your accountability buddy here, but <laughs> getting these systems in place really does take that intentionality. But it's also the positivity or the negativity of those who are around you, mm -hmm. which does lead to kind of this closing out procedure. You know, we want to be able to leave work at work. Don't take your notes home. We actually do your work at work. Stay yeah. an extra 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is at work. So that way you've emotionally left what needs to be in that workspace at your workspace. Or or just to honor those who need to go home. And if you did the 20 to 30 minutes, it would turn into three hours of trying to get your notes done because you're staring at the wall. 
set time in the morning to come back and do the notes. Don't do them at home. And I noticed this, you know, great improvement in the attitudes of the therapists working in my practice when I forbid them from doing notes at home. And this was to just kind of help further increase morale around the idea of, okay, I, I like what I do. I like this job. And that does help in just being able to let home be a space to be creative, be restful. Another aspect too is being able to decompress at the end of the day with like-minded people. And we've referenced this a lot before mm-hmm. of, you know, make that phone call that can happen to, you know, your friends that's just like, oh, I had a stressful day. Here's a couple of things that happened. We all do it. Do it with intention. Yeah. And I think yeah. that that's what allows, you know, seasoned therapists to, you know, see several stressful clients during the day, several high-risk clients during the day is when we have those systems in place to decompress where earlier on and you know even some of the students that I teach that talk about I can't I can't turn off at the end of the day. Well, you need to have a space to emotionally put all of that energy too. Okay, so there's two things. One is I want to acknowledge and shout out to fellow home-based online therapists that may not be able to not take work home because that's where their work is. My the way I've 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 worked this out is trying to create a separate space that I can physically leave. You know, it ha- it needs to be a private space anyway and so being able to whether it's closing the laptop and putting it away if you, you know, if you're you're able to to have your whole home be a space where you can do your your work or for me I have my office and I really try to turn off and and move away and so there are, there are ways to do this kind of whatever setting you're in. I think it comes back to ritual. I think the other piece about the kind of the decompression, and I think this comes back to the systemic places, is you're talking about kind of call your friends intentionally. I think for organizations or group practices or groups of people who are working together in some way, I think having an intentional space for processing vicarious trauma, for you know, kind of closing out and finishing the day. I know for me, that was a lifesaver in community mental health is being able to talk to my peers and my supervisors about what had happened, what was going on, and even getting ideas. Like for me, it was, you know, getting in my car and opening all the windows and driving home and kind of imagining all of the the day, you know, kind of blowing out the window and and looking at how do I how do I consciously turn off versus continuing to kind of ruminate over I'm not going to meet productivity or I, you know, I, I, you know, that insurance claim was denied or this client, you know, was, you know, suicidal and, and I think they're going to be okay, but are they going to be okay? Like, I think the things that, that can stick with us, I think being able to consciously refocus and not like, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Cause it's like, don't think about elephants. Don't think about elephants. And all I'm thinking about is elephants, but like being able to really refocus on yourself as a, as a whole person on, on what the, the other parts of your life are going to be, what you're going to be doing in the evening and having some physical and, or you know, kind of emotional elements that are going to be very different, you know, whether it's getting active or having a heart to heart with a friend or whatever it is, I think it's important to, to be very conscious and for, for systems to be able to put in place that, that space. Cause I think so often we're so focused on productivity and getting as much done as possible that, that those spaces get, get lost and it really harms clinicians. So we will 
include links to the stuff that we referenced in our show notes. You can find those at mtsgpodcast.com. And while you're there, check out the Therapy Reimagined 2020 conference. Woo-hoo! And once again, we're sponsored by Simple Practice, and they're taking care of CEs all over the place. Yay. Well, most places. Um, but <laughs> check out our CE fig so you know. Che- yeah, sure. che- check out the CE list uh, to make sure. But this is September 25th and 26th here in the Universal City neighborhood of Los Angeles. We'll also have a special law and ethics pre-conference on <laughs> September 24th. So I'm a fan of the pre-conference, but it's just my. I am too, but I don't get to go. <laughs> So <laughs> I got to set up a uh, conference, man. <laughs> uh, so I, I will be doing a six hour law and ethics on September 24th is pre-conference. So come out a day early and have some fun with me and law and ethics. Tickets will go on sale here super soon. And our full conference lineup will be coming out here in about a month. So until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Renoy. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 